Welcome to My Heart Songs Podcast number 176, How Wide the Divide, Part 4. The focus today is on mental health, just addressing some of the aspects of that vast field. This week I was stunned by a medical article whose title was, Assume Every Child Has PTSD These Days Until Proven Otherwise. Besides the COVID challenges and the subsequent increased levels of child abuse, halfway into 2022, we've already experienced 214 mass shooting events in this country, several of them in schools. The article goes on to recommend that clinicians should inquire directly about how a recent trauma exposure has impacted the child, searching for acute traumatic stress reactions such as avoidance of places, thoughts, or feelings involving the traumatic experience, dissociation from reality, those blank stares, or the classical intrusive memories of the event. Multiple stress reactions clearly increase the likelihood of impaired functioning, and referral for further assessment, monitoring, and treatment are essential in order to reduce long-term adverse outcomes. Easier said than done, given the shambles of our current mental health system flaws. A startling headline, but it highlighted that many young ones are carrying a significant load on their little shoulders these days especially if there are changes in the child's eating or sleeping habits or resistance to going to school, then further guidance is called for. It's also the job of adults to remind them, despite the reality of news headlines and internet overload, that in the grand scheme of things, such shooting events are still relatively uncommon and not happening in most places, thankfully. Helping provide a calm context in which to embrace the media noise is helpful seems like perhaps we need a category of PRTSD, pre-traumatic stress disorder, given the abundant opportunities for anxiety around anticipated trauma from not only shootings but emerging climate change disasters. Although it sounds a bit big brother-ish, why not allow schools to monitor Facebook and other social media posts, especially by young males? We check their drawers and lockers for guns and drugs. Isn't that part of the monitoring function of adults with young people? Also, strong and significant intervention whenever bullying is occurring for both victim and perp on the playground or in cyberspace. Another children's mental health issue of concern is that with 5% of the child and adolescent population diagnosed with ADHD and often treated with Ritalin or other pharmaceuticals, it's inconceivable to me that the research still does not offer a clear answer as to whether such meds are associated with increased risks of anxiety or depression symptoms. In part, we are still very much in the dark ages of understanding individual brain chemistry and its relation to mood and behavior. And despite the best efforts of DSM-5 and functional MRI imaging, measurements of mental health outcomes remain murky. It is known that having ADHD increases the risk of internalizing disorders such as anxiety and depression and that there is an enormously increased burden for those who have both socially and educationally. And given how widespread the prescribing of meds for ADHD, the reality that we don't look at anxiety and depression as key outcomes of interest in ADHD drug trials is insane. 
Of course, as the adults in the room, although I sometimes wonder about that, in order to serve the young ones, we need to be paying attention to our own mental wellness. The national mental health nonprofit Give an Hour suggests five signs that we or a loved one, friend, or colleague need more tending. Personality change in a way that seems dramatic. Agitation or uncharacteristically angry demeanor. Withdrawal from social interaction. Poor hygiene. Substance abuse related or physical hygiene. Feelings of hopelessness. The same organization works to reduce the stigma around mental illness so that those who need help and their families might not remain isolated in their suffering. I've used up all my sick leave, so I'm calling in dead. I remember sometimes calling in sick during my working decades when I really just needed a mental health break. Some time for self-nurturing, at least, even if I didn't make it to the blissful boogie. I prefer the term mental well-being over mental health because it's more aligned with the reality that mind, body, spirit are all connected, and well-being seems more empowering, far from the land of Pop-Tarts, fast food, fast cars, and other things they sell on TV commercials that are portrayed as making one happy. Really, we need a new term. In podcast number 145, I offered some suggestions for what I was calling mental fitness, What we are seeking goes beyond mood management, psychological safety, resilience, something that captures the emotional, psychological, and social components of this particular state of being, which so affects how we think, feel, behave, handle stress, relate to others, and the life choices we make. A green ribbon is the international symbol for mental health awareness. And there is the concept of the blue zones, places on earth where people live the longest, happiest lives, like Sardinia, Nicoya of Costa Rica, Ikaria of Greece, and Okinawa. But being in the blue zone has a long-established different connotation, so that wouldn't work to describe optimal brain-mind-mental functioning. How about psychological cerebral vitality, magnifico mindset? Not quite there yet, but here's to doing something today to enhance your well-being on that level. Haridas nostre mentis purga tenebras, accende lumen sensibus. Purge those horrible darknesses of our mind. Light a light for our senses. From the Aurora Consurgens, one of the earliest alchemical manuscripts, with its series of engaging allegorical images, dated to the early 1400s. Thanks as always for listening, and remember friends and family can easily sign up at myheartsongs.org.